Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. Hello, my wonderful friends, and I apologize again for taking so long. I do think that future episodes will probably be longer than a week, just because I have to do a ton more research, I have to look at things, I want to make sure everything is right, cross-reference material. It's important to me to give good information. So I deeply apologize for you having to wait longer than a week. But in this episode of Reimagining Atlantis, we'll be exploring the climate of Atlantis, as described by the ancient Greek philosopher Plato. Specifically, specifically, we'll be examining Plato's clues about the presence of certain plants and animal species in Atlantis that were named and comparing them to the climates in which they are known to thrive in today. We will begin by discussing the chestnut tree, which Plato describes as being abundant in Atlantis. We will explore the climate conditions required for chestnut trees to thrive and compare them to the conditions described by Plato. Next, we'll delve into other trees and plants mentioned, as such as flowers, herbs, and other trees. We'll examine the climates in which those plants are known to grow today and compare them to the conditions that Plato described in his text. We'll also take a look at the presence of horses, cattle, and elephants in Atlantis, as described by Plato. We will explore the climates that are most suitable for these animals to thrive and compare them. Throughout this episode, we will consider other factors that may have influenced Plato's descriptions, such as limitations of the technology of his time. Join us as we explore this climate of Atlantis and uncover the truth behind Plato's clues. My sources for this week's episode is actually going to be ChatGPT. I already had a pretty good idea of what a lot of this was, but I used it as an experiment. So I hope you enjoy this experiment. So what was the climate like in Atlantis? Well, luckily, Plato gives us some objects that can be calculated and are quantifiable. I dug through the Critias and the Timaeus and was able to find the following references that could be investigated as to the climate needs. Here are the quotes from Plato that I will be using for my assessment. There was an abundance of wood for carpenter's work. There was sufficient maintenance for tame and wild animals. There were a great number of elephants. There were provision for all other sorts of animals, both of which who live in lakes and marshes and rivers, and also for those which live in mountains and on plains. So there was for the animal, which was the largest and most voracious of all. And voracious means large appetite. Whatever fragrant things there now are in the earth, whether roots, or herbage, or woods, or essences which distill from fruit and flower, grew and thrived in that land. Pulse, or legumes, as Plato calls them fruits. Now, it gets a little ambiguous because he's called the legumes fruit, but now we have another fruit, or possibly the same one, or it could be the chestnuts. I'm not sure. But anyway, he talks about a fruit 
that have a hard rind, affording drinks and meats and ointments. He also says that there were a good store of chestnuts and the like. Now, chestnuts do have a short shelf life of about two to three days in a pantry or two to three days in a fridge. I don't think the Atlanteans had a fridge. They don't ever mentioned it, so I'm going to assume that these go bad in a couple of days. Anyway, he talks about free-range bulls and that twice in the year they gathered the fruits of the earth. In winter, having the benefit of the rains of heaven, and in summer, the water which the land supplied by introducing streams from the canals. There was also cisterns, some open to the heavens, others roofed over, to be used in winter as warm baths. There were also horses and cattle. So he only has two named crops to compare to, and that's the chestnut trees and the legumes. So let's go down the chestnut tree path first. Chestnut trees require a moderate climate with cool summers and mild winters to grow. They can tolerate temperatures as low as negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 28 degrees Celsius and as high as 90 degrees Fahrenheit or 32 degrees Celsius. Optimal growth occurs when the temperature range is between 60 and 75 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 to 24 degrees Celsius. They're not tolerant to extreme cold or hot temperatures. They also need well-drained soil and are sensitive to excess moisture. They also need a lot of sunlight to grow. It is important to note that these are general guidelines and specific variety of chestnuts may have different temperature requirements. Chestnut trees are native to the Eastern United States, Southeastern Europe, and parts of Asia. They were once found throughout the Eastern United States and were a major source of food and wood. However, in the early 1900s, a fungal disease called chestnut blight was introduced to the United States and it quickly spread, killing most of the chestnut trees in the country. Today, chestnut trees can be found in the wild, but they're relatively rare. Efforts are being made to breed blight-resistant chestnut trees, and some of these trees can be found in orchards and forests. Chestnut trees can be found in Asia and southeastern Europe where the blight has not spread or has had a lesser impact. Chestnut trees are found in many countries around the world, but, but there are some countries where they are more abundant. In Europe, countries such as Italy, Spain, and Greece have large population of chestnut trees. Italy is one of the largest producers of chestnuts in Europe and is known for its Moroni chestnuts which have a high level of sweetness. Spain also has a significant number of chestnut trees, particularly in the northern regions. In Greece, chestnut trees are found in the mountainous areas and are used for both food and wood production. In Asia, countries such as China, Japan, and Korea have large population of chestnut trees. China is the largest producer of chestnuts in the world and have had a long history of cultivating the trees. Chestnut trees are also found in abundance in Japan and Korea, and they are used for both food and wood production. Chestnut trees prefer a well-drained, acidic soils with a pH between 5.0 and 6.5. They're not tolerant of alkaline soils. The ideal pH range for a chestnut tree growth is around 5.5 to 6.5. The soil should be rich in organic matter and have good water retention capacity. Chestnut trees have a deep root system and require a good amount of moisture, but 
They are also sensitive to waterlogging, so maintaining soil that is well draining is essential. The soil should also have a good balance of nutrients, particularly phosphorus, potassium, and nitrogen. The temperature range for growing legumes varies depending on the specific type. Some legumes, such as soybeans and peas, can tolerate cooler temperatures and can be planted in early spring, while others, such as cowpeas and lima beans, prefer warm temperatures and should be planted in the summer. In general, most legumes prefer temperatures between 60 degrees and 85 degrees Fahrenheit, or 15 to 29 degrees Celsius, and cannot tolerate frost. Legumes also have varying temperature requirements during their growth cycle. For example, during germination, legumes typically require soil temperatures between 60 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit, or 15 to 29 degrees Celsius, for germination. During vegetative growth, legumes prefer temperatures between 60 and 75 degrees Fahrenheit, or 15 to 24 degrees Celsius. The pH level of the soil needed for growing legumes varies depending on the specific types of legume. In general, most legumes prefer a slightly acidic to neutral soil, the pH between 6.0 and 7.0. However, some legumes such as alfalfa, clover, and soybeans can tolerate a wider pH range, between 6 to 7.5, while others such as peas and lentils prefer slightly acidic soil with pH around 6.0 to 6.5. Plato mentions several animals, such as horses, cattle, and elephants. He makes an obscure reference to an animal with the biggest appetite. According to a little Google search, the hippopotamus has the largest appetite and can eat around 150 pounds, or 68 kilograms, of vegetation in a single day, which is about 20 to 25% of their body weight. To make matters even more confusing, hippo is the Greek word for horse and hippopotamus translates to water horse. It's worth noting that there are other land animals which have a big appetite as well, like elephants, giraffes, and gorillas. Plato could be making a reference to the elephants and their ferocious appetites. Since Plato is not specific, I will not assume either. Elephants thrive in a variety of climates, but they generally prefer warmer temperatures and high humidity. They can be found in tropical or subtropical and savanna climates. African elements are adapted to live in savannas, grasslands, and forests. They can survive in a wide range of temperatures, from as low as negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 20 degrees Celsius to as high as 104 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius but they prefer temperatures between 68 and 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 to 30 degrees Celsius. They also require a high level of humidity, at least 50%. Asian elephants are native to the tropical and subtropical forests of India, Sri Lanka, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam in southern China. They prefer the same temperatures as the African elephants at between 68 to 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 to 30 degrees Celsius and the same level of humidity of at least 50%. Both species of elephants require access to water and need to bathe or wallow in water daily to keep cool and maintain their skin health. In North Africa, there was once a subspecies of the African bush elephant called the North African forest elephant 
Carthiniagen elephant and or the Atlas elephant. Originally, its natural range probably extended across North Africa and down to the present Sudanese and Eritrean coasts. Sadly, all that remains of this elephant are Roman sources and skeletal remains. Both horses and cattle can thrive in a variety of climates, but they generally prefer temperate climates with moderate temperatures and adequate rainfall. They are adaptable and can survive in both hot and cold temperatures but they do the best in temperatures between 32 to 72 degrees Fahrenheit or 0 to 22 degrees Celsius with moderate humidity. Horses are hardy animals and many breeds have been developed to survive in specific climates. Cold weather breeds such as the Icelandic horse, Fjord, and the Yucatan horse have a thick coat and can survive in a very cold temperatures and even in snow. While hot weather breeds, such as the Arabian horse, the Akalteki, and the Barb, are able to withstand high temperatures and arid conditions. Cattle are also hardy animals, and many breeds have been developed to survive in specific climates. Cold weather breeds, such as the Scottish Highland, the Galloway, and the Hereford, are well adapted to survive in cold temperatures and snow. While hot weather breeds, such as the Brahanman, Santa Grutias and the Brangus are able to withstand high temperatures and arid conditions. In general, horses and cattle need access to fresh water, good quality of forage, and adequate shelter to thrive, as well as regular grooming and veterinary care. The climate needed to grow fruits and flowers that are distillable depends on the specific plant species. Some plants that are commonly used for distillation, such as lavender, roses, jasmine, and various citrus fruits, require warm, sunny, and dry climate conditions. For example, lavender thrives in well-drained soil, full sun, and temperatures between 60 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, or 15 to 21 degrees Celsius with low humidity. It can be grown in the Mediterranean climate, semi-arid, and desert climates. Roses require well-drained soil, full sun, and temperatures between 60 and 70 degrees Fahrenheit, or 15 to 21 degrees Celsius, with low humidity. They are also able to be grown in the Mediterranean climate, semi-arid, and desert climates. Jasmine is a tropical plant that requires warm temperatures between 60 and 85 degrees. Fahrenheit and 15 to 29 degrees Celsius, high humidity and partial shade. Citrus, fu citrus fruits require warm temperatures between 60 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 to 29 degrees Celsius, full sun and well-drained soil. They can be grown in tropical and subtropical climates. When Plato says that they had fruit with a hard rind that could be used for drinks and ointments, he's ambiguous as to if he means the chestnuts or other fruits but I did the research nonetheless. Chestnuts have been traditionally used for medicine in some cultures. The nuts themselves are a good source of carbohydrates, proteins, and minerals. Some studies have shown that chestnuts have anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, and anti-cancer properties. Chestnuts have been traditionally used in the treatment of various ailments such as to support digestion, to relieve respiratory problems, to improve blood circulation, to lower cholesterol, and to prevent osteoporosis. Chestnut leaves, bark, and seed have been used to make teas, syrups, and ointments. 
Also, the leaves and bark contain flavonoids and tannins and have anti-inflammatory properties. Citrus fruits, oranges, lemons, limes, grapefruits, and other citrus fruits have hard rind and can be used to make zest, which can be used to flavor drinks and food. They also contain essential oils, which it can be used in perfumes, aromatherapy, and for other industrial uses. There's the coconut. It also has a hard outer shell of the coconut and can be used to make drinks, such as coconut water, and the meat, which is still called meat, can be used to make coconut milk and cream. The oil extracted from the meat is also used in cooking and is a base for many beauty products. Pineapple. The tough outer skin of the pineapple can be used to make a sweet tea, and the core can be used to make a juice. The leaves of the pineapple are also used to make a fiber called piña. For those out there who actually speak a fluent Spanish, I'm sorry if I'm brutalizing this, which is used in clothing and other textiles. Pomegranate. The rind of a pomegranate can be used to make a juice that is high in antioxidants and is used as traditional medicine. Gourds. The hard rind of gourds, such as the bottle gourd, can be used to make bowls and other household items. The seed of the gourd are also used as an ingredient in the food, and the fruit is also used in traditional medicine. So Atlantis also had lakes, marshes, rivers, mountains, plains, and canals. They had cisterns for water retention, and then had some of those cisterns roofed over to allow for warm baths during the winter suggesting that it was slightly cooler in the winter months, but not enough to affect the crops from growing. Taking the information that we now have, we can start to paint a picture as to the climate of Atlantis. The temperature was probably on average 65 degrees Fahrenheit to 85 degrees Fahrenheit, or 18 degrees Celsius to 30 degrees Celsius. Similar to Hawaii, there are two seasons, a rainy season and a dry season. During the summer, the Atlanteans introduced water from the canals to irrigate the crops, and during the winter, the Atlanteans closed off those canals to allow for the rain. While this sounds idyllic, remember, they were also near a volcano for that hot water from the hot spring, and they were also on fault lines due to their demise from their big one. Now, if you're an Ice Age Atlantis theorist, where in the world would the climate be within these temperatures? Reach out and let me know. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each our own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9 p.m. See you then. Wait, are you still here? Thank you. It's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. The Jewish Midrash scriptures mention a character by the name of O.G. or Og the only person to survive the Great Flood except Noah and his family. Og leapt onto the ark and clung on fast when the downpour started. If Noah would let him into the ark, he made a solemn vow to serve Noah and his family without ceasing. According to the Talmud, the flood's rainwaters were extremely hot. 
and this kind of reminds me of volcanic acidic rain. Og, or Oji, was able to survive because the rain that fell on him as he clutched onto the Ark was remarkably cool. Maybe Noah recognized some kind of merit in Og or OG. After all, his grandfather was one of the angel that repented. As a result, Noah showed Og or OG pity and created a particular space for him in the Ark. 